Is this chicken what I have or is this fish? What are you? An idiot sandwich. Idiot sandwich what? An idiot sandwich, Chef Ramsay. I was rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. How dare you? Congratulations, you're a meathead, son. But you know what? Don't ever put your hands in my underwear. This is the lamb Where's the lamb yeah, I mean, you really don't make friends around here, do you? I, I didn't come here for that. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Snap Back to Reality, the podcast where we revisit the trash TV we grew up with and love to hate. I'm your host, Riley Ennis, and this is episode 64. Hello, everyone. I hope you are all having a good week so far. Um, let me see. What do I have to say? Updates in terms of my life. None! Um, yeah, nothing's going on. Nothing's ever going on. Uh, it's Virgo season though, so I am feeling a little bit more motivated to get my life organized. Um, I made an appointment a few weeks ago with a psychiatrist to get back on my medication, you know, to start like feeling good again. Uh, that got canceled. They canceled on me two days before and said that they were going to reschedule with me, but they have not. Um, but I'll make another one. I'm still feeling good, so I'm, I'm feeling, you know, like I'm able to get that done and overcome that hurdle again. Um, and I'm, yeah, I'm just feeling, feeling better about how I, better than I have been in the past few months. So anyway, let's just hope this like wave of good mental health continues. Um, I am feeling a little bit like a weird mix of ready for the fall, but also sad that we didn't really have a summer Uh, but I've always kind of felt that way ever since I graduated college and got a job and just have had to work every summer. So that's not really pandemic related, I don't think. I think I just need to get over that. Um, okay, but updates in the world or updates in my country at least. Uh, Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Still Matter. Um, there was the police shooting of Jacob Blake a couple, I guess, weeks ago by the time this will come out. Uh, so... Protests are still happening around the country, so I'm just, you know, reminding everyone, stay informed, stay angry, um, keep donating to those important causes. And speaking of, um, as of today, it's Monday, the day before I am about to release this episode. (laughs) Well, I guess it's literally the last day of August, so appropriately enough, I checked tonight as of around 8.30 p.m., and saw that I had 487 plays in total from the episodes that came out in August. So going by my 15 cents a play, that's $73 to donate. I just rounded up to $80, so I donated 40 to Beauty to the Streets and $40 to the Lebanese Red Cross. So I'll be posting those receipts as I do. Um, And I've decided that for September, the uh, causes that I'll be donating to are Justice for Black Girls, their Freedom Fighter Fund, Um, And the Frontline Medics, which is an indigenous and uh, queer um, women-centered medic group that's based, I believe, in the Pacific Northwest. I know that they're doing some work with the protests that are happening in Portland. Um, Those protests seem to be especially violent due to the really violent and reactionary right-wingers who are going out to counter-protest. So anyway, they're doing important work, and I'm sure they will be continuing to do important work uh, at the end of the month when I do my donations, because I have a feeling that um, these protests are not going to let up as we draw closer to the election. So anyway, let's let's think about a completely different time in our country when... God, remember when Bush was president and, like, that felt like that was the worst thing in the world? Uh, anyway, let's talk about the surreal life. Um, so I did the surreal life originally back 
last year, I think it was my third episode ever that I did. Um, I did The Surreal Life Season 3 because that's the episode that had Flavor Flav and Brigitte Nielsen. And I wanted to set that foundation for all of the flavor of love, rock of love, wonderful, beautiful willow tree that grew from the, the foundation that was The Surreal Life. But here is a little tiny... It's a small tree. It's like a baby pine tree. It doesn't, you know, branch out quite as much. Um, but I did want to come back and talk about season four because that is where Adrian Curry meets Christopher Knight and they fall in love. Or I guess having watched the season recently, Adrian falls in love um, and they decide to go and do My Fair Brady, which I don't, I watched somewhat, but I never really got into. And that's just something that I've wanted to do for a while because Adrian is fun it seems inoffensive and lighthearted, and couldn't we all use some of that in these days? Um, so I originally had wanted to do season four last year. I think I think it was when I was going to do, I think it was the week that I did Gene Simmons' Family Jewels. I had originally looked into doing Surreal Life, but when I first started watching it, I realized that two of the cast members have since passed, and that was I think the first time that there was like two in one season, I think this is still the first time that it's been two in one season that I'm talking about like a cast member who's since passed. Uh, so I just didn't feel equipped to talk about it back then. I don't know why I'm feeling like more ready and willing. Maybe it's just because 2020 has beat me down so much that it's just like, okay, these people died a few years ago. No big deal. Um, I guess it was more recent last year also. So yeah, I didn't feel ready to do it then. I am ready to do it now. Um, but this is also just like a really good, iconic season. This was a lot of fun to go back and rewatch. This is really peak VH1 for me. Like this is just the ultimate in reality TV for me personally. And we'll delve into the reasons that make that so as we go through. Um, I definitely remember watching this season when I was in middle school, you know, so it's like right in that peak childhood trauma years when like all of my developmental shit is swirling around. So yeah, it's really good. Um, so I am going to go into the background a little bit just because it's been so long since I talked about the surreal life in general. And there were a few updates that I hadn't included in my original notes from episode three, just because I was still learning what I wanted to do. And I take way more thorough notes now, which is probably more a curse than a blessing, but you know, I signed up for this. That's why it's every other week now. All right, so this show first started airing on the WB in 2003. It was originally titled The Surreal World because it was a play on the real world, but they had to change their name for legal reasons. On VH1, it began airing in season three, so that was September 5th, 2004. Seasons four through six aired on VH1. And the show, of course, features a group of celebrities living together in what is Glen Campbell's former mansion in the Hollywood Hills, which I did not mention last time. Um, and so they like live together. They have to do challenges. It's wacky. It's fun. It's, you know, very, I want to say lighthearted, but things can definitely get dark. Um, but it's very non-serious. Like I feel like the anyone who goes into the Surreal Life house, like any celebrity who goes into the Surreal Life house, like really taking themselves seriously usually has a really bad time. So the seasons obviously inspired many spinoffs, which we've talked about. Um, there's also uh, something that I haven't mentioned before, which is like, I think this is the first time I don't even, I didn't even realize it when I talked about 
the Surreal Life last year, but the Surreal Life Fame Games. So that was a game show that featured all of the, well, not all of the alumni, but alumni from all of the various seasons of the Surreal Life. They were competing to win $100,000. Also, this is kind of fun. They competed in a game show format elimination round, each episode called Back to Reality. Hey, uh, that saw the losers in the first three weeks of the competition sent to the B-list, which consisted of living in a less luxurious wing of the mansion than the rest of the housemates who were on the A-list. So that's kind of fun. Um, I'm definitely going to have to go back and do Surreal Life Fame Games at some point because I don't even know if I watched that. I barely remember it. I, I remember the title now that I've read it, but I don't remember anything about like what happens in this season. So I'm definitely going to have to check that one out eventually. So how I chose this episode. Um, so as I was rewatching the season, there were just, there were so many good episodes, but having like watched the first episode as I was rewatching it, I was getting so hyped up and so excited because there's just like so many moments that are iconic and just so much fun, so many good things to talk about. The only downside of the first episode really is that uh, Chris and Adrian don't have any sort of relationship at all, so there's like nothing to build off of, which is like the whole fucking reason why I want to do this season was so that we could build off of that and do My Fair Brady. But you know what? It's my podcast, and I can do what I want, so we're going to talk about what I want to talk about anyway, and as we go through, we'll just like talk about Chris and Adrian's relationship and moments that happen later on in the season and y'all can just deal with it. Also this is on Pluto TV which is free uh, so everyone should be able to access that. I mean I say everyone I don't know what the realities are of accessing things outside of the United States. You know I speak in a very U.S. centric manner sometimes. Sorry to my foreign listeners. Um, But if you're in the United States, you should be able to get Pluto TV for free. So it's very fairly easy to go back and rewatch this whole season which I encourage you to do um, if you want to keep up with the various moments that I talk about instead of just this first episode. All right, so this is The Surreal Life, Season 4, Episode 1, and this episode is called The Surreal 7. So we open with establishing shots of Hollywood slash Los Angeles, you know, the whole area, and we hear a radio DJ voiceover. It's JoJo on the radio, which is kind of a weird way to open because you would think that okay are they going with like a radio theme like is the house going to be themed after a radio station um no that's they they just have jojo on the radio saying like we have another season of the surreal life on vh1 and like explaining the concept of the show which we all know at this point um but they do list who the celebrities are so this season we have Vern, aka mini me troyer uh from the austin powers series Christopher Knight, a.k.a. Peter Brady, Joni Lauer, a.k.a. China Doll, the wrestler, um, the hip-hop artist DeBrat, Jane Weedlin from the Go-Go's, and then male supermodel Marcus Schinkenberg, who is apparently best known for his Calvin Klein ad series. I am apparently too young to know that because there's like a fun fact about him. Well, I guess I can just say it now because it's not really a where are they now, but I put it in his where are they now. Um, Smith Jared from Sex and the City is based on Marcus Schinkenberg, which I feel like is going to be very obvious for anyone who was like conscious enough (laughs) during his Calvin Klein ad series to like be aware of who he is. But me as a little baby 
I didn't, I didn't know that. However, I did watch Sex and the City, like, in high school and college and, I don't know, a few years ago. Um, so I'm aware of all the Sex and the City references. And then the last person is Adrian Curry, of course, who I've already mentioned, who was winner of season one of America's Next Top Model. Uh, and she's also just, like, a really fun person on reality TV. She's very carefree. She kind of calls herself as the stoner rock chick. Um, so I, I very much enjoy her personality, both on ANTM and on The Surreal Life. So Kathy Griffin is the taxi driver who's going to be delivering the celebrities to the houses. The houses? The celebrities to the house. I don't know why I said that. Um, so the first person she picks up is China. So China is also known as China Doll. And she's called China Doll a lot during this uh like season of the surreal life. I think the reason for that is apparently the WWF, WWE, whatever it is now, uh, whatever wrestling organization that she originally belonged to owned the copyright to the name China. And then she eventually changed it to China doll. And then in 2007, she legally changed her name to China. Um, so I'm going to call her China, I think mostly throughout my notes, but during the season, uh, during this episode, she was referred to as China doll, China, Joni, which is her given legal name. Um, so just so you're aware. She is wearing a bikini, a fur ushanka, like Russian hat, a very long kind of trench coat and has her hair in some kind of sad looking, I guess, box braids. I, it's kind of hard to tell if like they're box braids specifically. There's some sort of like all over braided hair look. Uh, she is a white woman if you're not aware. Um, and I think you can quite tell that her hair is not meant to be in these braids uh, throughout this season because it's looking pretty rough. Um, so she introduces herself as an author, model, singer, actress, ass kicker above all, and queen of sports. She tells us a little bit about her time in the WWE, which I guess was W. I it used to be the WWF, and it now is the WWE. Is that correct? I don't know. I've never been into wrestling except for when I was like twelve and had a crush on this like fifteen-year-old boy who was into wrestling. But that's a whole other story. Um, <laughs> she was the first woman to hold a WWE men's title, which is very fucking cool. You go, girl. And then when she was at the height of her popularity, she said she lost her job with the WWE and things went a little bit downhill. She couldn't find a job. But now she's saying that she's taking control of her life and she's doing music and theater and she's just blossomed into this whole new woman. So she really sets herself up in this kind of intro interview to be like, I've overcome my struggles. I was in a dark place, but now I've really like things have, are looking up for me. Which is really, I guess, not the case. Uh, and I think that comes becomes quite obvious to see throughout the season. Um, but man, it's like it was really sad to type all that out as I was like recapping it. Because it just like it sounds so optimistic and lovely. So Kathy pulls up to the Surreal Life house and China is the first to enter, of course. So the Surreal Life house has kind of similar uh, interior design each season in that it's extremely loud and colorful and just graphic. Um, this season, the theme is really just like clashing geometric patterns. So that's what we see all over. Next season, it's Funhouse themed, which is a nightmare. <laughs> um, the... In uh, Joni looks around, she kind of like checks out the various rooms. She sees that one room has three beds. She doesn't want that one because she wants a room to, by herself. 
And then she finds another room that has um, a single bed. It has like a single bathroom and it has a bar. So she's really feeling it. She's going to claim that room. But everything in that room is miniature sized. Uh, so keep in mind that Vern Troyer is on the cast for this season. And I don't think, no one knows who is also going to be on the cast when they arrive, but there's also a wall of celebrity portraits that you can see when you, like, walk into the living room. However, she's kind of of a single mind. Like, you know, she her, her main goal is just to find her own place to relax. So she's claimed this single room since she's the first one there. So then Kathy goes and picks up the next celebrity, and it is Christopher Knight. So he says, I'm probably best known, hell, I'm probably only known as Peter Brady. Um, so he kind of says that when he was 25, things were starting to slow down for him after he did the Brady Bunch and he decided to leave show business. Um, and he says this is an opportunity for him to step out from behind the Brady Bunch and sort of just be himself. So I guess this is really like the only time he's been on TV, maybe, maybe not, uh, since the Brady Bunch or the only major time. I think he was doing some sort of like software sales, some boring fucking dad shit. He's such a dad this entire season. So he gets to the house. He walks inside, calls out to see if anyone's there. He sees China's stuff in the living room, but she is out back just doing fucking pole tricks on the lamppost and fucking around on the tennis court. So she doesn't hear him because she's just like running around playing outside. So then he walks out back and I guess at this point she has made her way over to the pool area or the lounge area. She's on a lounge chair just kind of hanging out. And so he has to comment of course because like this is a he's a man and this is VH1 so we have to objectify every fucking woman who's on every TV show. Um, he's like oh the first thing I see is like shapely legs and then she like gets up and I see she's like has a very well-built body which yes her body is insane like it's rocking but like it's it, she's built <laughs> she buff as fuck is the only way I can describe so they introduce themselves to each other and they kind of go back into the house together and so then they like look at this large wall covering that I mentioned earlier that's just like this wall of the celebrity portraits and this very like stylized colorful Andy Warhol pop art sort of vibe so then Chris goes these are our roommates and China says how did you know and he's like, well, because you're up there and I'm up there. Isn't that a coincidence? <laughs> and it's just really funny. So when she realizes what's going on, also, she's like, oh, okay. And she, like, looks up there and she points. She's like, wait, I know that guy. He's the guy from the Brady Bunch. And Chris is like, yes, that's me. <laughs> China's just like, stop it. So that's, like, a really fun, cute little interaction for the two of them. So then the next person that we see uh, coming to the house in the taxi is Debrat. Uh, she introduces herself first as Shantae, but then says, of course, everyone knows me as Debrat. She is the first female solo rap artist to ever go platinum, which is not something that I knew. So that's pretty fucking cool. Good for her. Um, and then we also learn because there are these like little pop up like infographics that come up as they're like doing their little intro um, that she got in trouble with the law after pistol whipping someone outside of a nightclub. Now, in her Wikipedia page, when I was doing her Where Are They Now, we will get into her legal troubles in a little bit more detail. But she, there were two nightclub uh, instances that I could make out. And in both of the ones on Wikipedia, it said that they she had a rum bottle was her weapon rather than a pistol. Um, so 
I don't know what the truth is, but according to VH1, she pistol whipped someone, which uh, makes, if that is true, that means DeBrat and David Eason from Teen Mom have something in common because they've both pistol whipped someone. She mentions in her interview that everyone said the surreal life is for people who are washed up, but she's like, oh, but I'm going to prove that it's not for washed up people. So then she walks into the house. She looks at the wall covering with all the portraits. She sees Peter Brady and she's like pissed. She's like, what a Brady? That's that's someone who's washed up. So she's like mad. She like said she talked to her manager and said she didn't want to be with anyone who's washed up. She goes outside. She sees Chris and China sitting there. And I don't even know if she realizes who they both are. I think she just recognizes that Chris is like older than her. And so she goes back inside to call her manager and complain that she's been she's in the house with has-beens. And so then Chris goes inside. I think, I'm not sure, but he might have realized that she came outside and went back in. So he, like, might be, like, seeking her out to go introduce himself because otherwise, like, that's really awkward. But anyway, he does go inside and he introduces himself and China to DeBrat. The next celebrity is picked up. It is Jane Weedlin of the Go-Go's. She is so fucking cute and fun. I love, I'm like, I don't know why I wasn't more of a Jane Weedlin stan. Like I should have watched this when I was 13 or 14 and just been like, God damn, the only thing I should have listened to from then on out was the Go-Go's. I should have gone through like a Go-Go's phase. I should have been obsessed with her because she's awesome. Um, so she says she left the Go-Go's because she wanted to have a solo career and she thought she was hot shit, but, uh, then she realized that probably wasn't the best decision. We stand a humble queen. Um, also, I love this moment. So she says that if anyone in the house was mean to her, her or was antagonistic to her, her na- natural inclination would be to cry. And so I was like, this bitch must be a cancer, of course, because you know me, I'm always on my astrology shit. So, of course, I looked up her birth chart, which is, like, extremely extensive. I guess she's stated her entire birthday and location and time of day. Um, And she is a Cancer rising. So, uh, astrology is real. And hit me up if you need a chart reading. Just kidding. Don't hit me up. I don't know what I'm doing. But, obviously, I could tell she had some Cancer vibes. So, Jane gets into the house and she, like, looks around. And also, she says it's, like, being on LSD, which is kind of funny. So then we have a little moment where Chris goes into the room where China, like the room that China's claimed for herself um, and says, you know, maybe this is for someone else. And she's like, what? What are you talking about? And he's like, you know, maybe based on the size. Uh, but China's just playing dumb. So Jane hears people in the house and she goes around and introduces herself to Chris and China. And China starts to fangirl a little bit because she says she listened to the Go-Go's all the time when she was a kid, um, which is cute. And then Jane is like, oh, thanks. Um, your nipples are showing. And <laughs> China's just like, oh. And she's like, unless you want them to show. And China's like, no. And kind of like just adjusts her bikini top. It's a funny moment. Uh, so Jane says in her talking head that China kind of scares her a little bit. So then we cut to a moment of China working out in her room with I what I think is a thigh master. It's like, you know, a little red hinge thing that she's like pressing with her like thighs and pressing with like her bicep and her forearm. Uh, she's also wearing pleaser heels while, while she does this, which... Pleasers are actually, like, very comfortable and easy to walk in, even for me, who cannot walk in heels, but it looks very impressive. And it's still fucking, like, badass that she's working out in pleasers. Like, anyone who does anything in pleasers is still a badass. I'm just saying that, like, 
I thought that ple- I was like, I could never wear stripper heels. Like I would fall like a little Bambi and just like break my neck immediately, snap like a twig. Um, but then I got a pair of pleasers and they're not that hard to walk in for me personally, at least. Uh, Debrat peeks in and sees what she's doing, like, you know, kind of just like looks at her as she's doing her thigh master and she's like freaking out. She's like, what is she doing? Some kind of sexual act or something? Um, Debrat gets a little bit dramatic about a lot of things that happen in the house, which maybe I can't blame her too much because it, it is a lot, but you know, you know what you signed up for. Watch the first three seasons. Like, just take one look at what happened with Flav and Brigitte last season. Come on. Then we cut over to Kathy picking up Adrian next. So Adrian reminds us that she won America's Next Top Model season one. And then Kathy asks her about her love life. And Adrian says she does not have a boyfriend. Uh, her quote here is, Newfound celebrity has ensured that I will A, never be in a relationship, B, never get laid, and C, intimidate everyone. And that sucks. So here's our little bit of like foreshadowing. Just kind of like, you know, we're talking about her relationship status. Obviously, the relationship with Chris becomes a focus in the later season, or later on in the season. Um, I guess I'll talk about it a little bit right here, because there isn't really too much of an opportunity to talk about it. Otherwise, there's, like, another part where Adrian calls him a good guy, and then, like, another part where she's naked and Chris is just kind of, like, staring at her, um, which happens in almost every single episode anyway, so... I think this is the moment that I'll I'll choose to talk about them. So in like, I think it's probably episode three, episode three or four is when she starts to like profess her feelings for him. And from like thenceforth, that's really like a major plot line, a thread throughout the rest of the season. So some of the things that happen when, because Adrian falls in love with Chris, uh, at one point they have to, like one of their challenges is to pitch, um, the next great VH1 show, I guess. And so they have to go in and individually pitch to the VH1 executives their idea for a VH1 show. And uh, Adrian's is Beauty and the Brady, which I think is also a good title. And I was like, I think maybe if I remember correctly, I hope I'm not making this up. Who knows, you know? But I think I'm like, unlocking a memory from my childhood I think that I watched the surreal life probably like as it was airing so I like was super like invested with Adrian and Chris happening and then when VH1 announced My Fair Brady like as a thing I was mad that they didn't use Beauty and the Brady as the title because I was like really into that title and I thought it was really good and I was proud of Adrian for pitching that. Um, so that's like one of the things that happens, which is also like really funny uh, when they get their call after they all get back from their challenge and the producer calls to tell them who won. He announces like, oh, Marcus, we thought this about your concept and Jane, we thought that about your concept. And Adrian, they were like, Adrian, we really loved your concept. You're, you're going to have to clear it with Chris first and like announced it to the room at large so that like she would be embarrassed. It was kind of funny. Um, at one point, they also go to a strip club, and Chris gets pulled up on stage, and so then Adrian gets kind of jealous, and she gets on stage at one point and starts, like, dancing around very sexually and also very aggressively to try and attract him, which, I mean, I think it's probably fine, because I'm sure VH1, like, bought out the club, rented out the club or whatever, so that there weren't a bunch of randos that they had to, like, get waivers for and probably wouldn't be able to get waivers for because they were in a fucking strip club. Um, 
But I know that that would probably be not allowed in most other strip clubs, or if it was allowed, would be not very well tolerated by the dancers themselves. Um, what else did they do? Uh, at one point, they made a kung fu movie, which was horribly racist, and Adrian got to make out with Chris, so she was very excited about that. Oh, and the best, <laughs> I don't know if this is the best, but this is a really good episode, too. So they have, like, a date night where all of the cast members get just dates from the outside, um, and so Adrian spends the entire night trying to make Chris's date uncomfortable and jealous so that uh, she can hook up with Chris instead, I guess. So yeah, their relationship is really fun and it's mostly like, I don't know, Chris is generally a pretty good guy about it because I think he is like 47 and Adrian is 22, um, which, you know, like thinking on it is like really creepy. And of course, like when I was in seventh grade or whatever, when I was watching this, I was like super okay with it and like fine with it because 22 seemed really old. But Adrian doesn't seem 22. She really, she seems like 20 fucking, 25, 26, 27, maybe like an immature 26 year old, uh, she just doesn't seem 22. Um, not None of this is making it much better because he's still like 20 years older than her. Uh, but he's like a good guy in general. Like he doesn't seem too creepy or lecherous and he's not pursuing her. She's very much pursuing him and is very much like, this is what I want. I want a relationship with this man. Because she even says like, if I just wanted to hook up with someone, I would hook up with the hot model Marcus. Um so yeah, I, I I enjoy watching their relationship kind of grow, and I think it's kind of nice and sweet and genuine, especially at the end, um, like the last episode. They I think they end up like laying in bed. I don't think they fuck, but I think they like spend the night in the same bed, and I think that's cute. I think that it was. I think it's sweet. Um. So where were we? <laughs> okay, I went off on that that tangent because I didn't. I won't have a chance to talk about them otherwise. But the rest of the episode is so good that it's fine. I just need to talk about a little bit about Adrian and Chris right there. So with Adrian still in the car, Kathy stops and picks up Marcus Schinkenberg. So uh, we already mentioned he is a male supermodel, the first male supermodel best known for his Calvin Klein campaign. Um, I guess the producers decided to have them enter together because they were the two models. And maybe the producers were aiming to have them hook up. Like maybe that's what they wanted. They wanted like a little chance for the chemistry to build right here. Uh, we learn that Marcus speaks five languages and then Adrian turns to him and asks him like what a certain phrase means like it's in I think broken Italian that she's speaking um, and she says that it means small penis which is like very just Adrian's sense of humor uh, and then Kathy says that Marcus has never heard that phrase in any language only only mucho mucho grande penis which we can't know that, Kathy. Well, maybe we can because he was in a Calvin Klein campaign. I don't know. I don't know what his modeling pics look like, obviously. So Adrian and Marcus arrive at the house. Um, Jane introduces herself and Adrian starts fangirling in her talking head. And this is really cute. Again, I love this moment with Adrian and, and Jane just like introducing themselves to one another. I love when everyone fangirls when they meet Jane first of all I think that's adorable um but this moment especially because Adrian just like she says that she was a big Go-Go's fan growing up and their friendship gets to like grow over the course of the season and that's really awesome I also really love just watching their friendship grow and I hope they like continue to be friends after the surreal life like I really I really do uh, she also starts fangirling a little bit over living with a Brady just because like oh my god a Brady like I grew up watching 
<laughs> which is like kind of creepy you know knowing that she like falls in love with him and like wants a relationship but it it does start out with like oh I just grew up watching him on tv um so Jane asks about Marcus and Adrian arriving together she y'all I really got cut off I was going for a whole other like 10 minutes and I realized that my recording had cut off I am so sorry okay where were we so I believe we left off with Jane um commenting on Marcus and Adrian coming in together yes um so she said yes well you guys should you look like a beautiful couple you should just get married right now um, and then the brat is sort of sneaking by behind them while all of this is happening. And I guess Adrian and Marcus sort of like turn around and see what's going on that she's like walking behind them. So they introduce themselves. Um, and then she's like, oh, hey, and then kind of just moves on, which is awkward. And Marcus says that he found that awkward in his talking head, which is correct. I guess it was maybe because at this point she was, like, still going to call her manager and get out of there and think maybe she was just going to, like, leave because it was a house full of has-beens. And so she didn't feel any need to introduce herself to anyone else. But it was just, like, don't be rude. So then they all go and look at the bedrooms. They see that there are two bedrooms with three beds apiece. So they decide they'll kind of split it into boys and girls. The brat isn't happy because she wants her own space, but sucks to be you because only one person can, person can have their own space, and at this point, it's China Doll. Um, Adrian also meets China Doll here. Uh, she says that she's girlier than she expected. And also, I think my favorite quote of the episode, uh, Adrian in her talking head talking about China Doll, totally respect her. She kicks guys' asses. Good for you. Like, someone please cross that cross-stitch that on a pillow for me. So then they all go to take a tour of the room that China has claimed for herself. They, of course, see that everything's miniature. And China kind of says something like, oh, maybe the room is for someone else. And then smash cut over to Vern, the last person to be picked up, being picked up by the taxi. So here we have a moment where upon watching it, you know, the first time ever back in like 2006, seven, whenever this was, 2005, when I was 13, you know, I watched it and I was like, oh, this is funny. And I laughed at this moment. And then rewatching it now, it's like maybe my first instinct was just to like laugh because that's where, you know, like the mindset where I was the last time I watched it. But then like the person that I am now and the things that I have learned is like came to the forefront of my mind. And I was like, maybe this moment isn't so funny. Maybe this is just, uh, this is ableist. Maybe we are laughing at a moment where it's not accessible for a person and they have to do what they can. So basically what happens is Vernon Vern has to jump inside the cab and like kind of like hoist himself up into the cab because they didn't provide him with like a step stool or any kind of means for him to like walk into it. Um, so like that happens and then he like kind of sarcastically says to the PA like, oh no, thank you. Like the PA who is holding the door open um and gives flashes the first of many middle fingers to the camera what will be the first of many middle fingers of the season to the camera uh so yeah it's just like this moment maybe isn't so funny like maybe this is just like not funny that we're laughing at someone because he couldn't really get into the car in a dignified manner because they didn't give him an accessible way to do that um so Vern talks about how he's obviously best known for his Austin Powers movies um, he also, we have a little, like, pop-up here that's kind of a fun fact, is that he was uh, voted homecoming king at his high school in Michigan, so that's cool. 
Um, and then also he tells Kathy that he hates reality TV and he wants his privacy and personal time. So that obviously doesn't bode too well for his experience in the surreal life. Um, but he actually ends up having a really nice kind of arc, his his character arc of the season, if you will. So he kind of starts out as just like being a little bit of a curmudgeon. He doesn't want to participate in like the group tasks and challenges that there's they have to do. Uh, but then as time goes on, he starts to kind of get more into it. He really starts to bond with the cast. And I feel like in general, except for maybe Debrat, because she does remain pretty closed off. Um, I feel like in general, this cast really bonds together and they have a lot of chemistry with one another. And they, they do seem like one big, happy, dysfunctional family. So he uh, gets the house, I guess, production has given him like a little rascal scooter or maybe that's his scooter that they've loaded up into the back of the taxi um but he has a scooter so he kind of scoots on into the house uh he meets adrian and debrat introduces himself and then the first thing that he asks about is the rooms and so debrat starts laughing you know just presumably because she knows like oh china's in his room and like that this is about to be a whole situation but again i think this is a moment where <laughs> Like, it's played for laughs in, in the show, but I don't think it's so funny because it's just like, okay, this person who their entire life they've had to wonder, like, what's the situation of the room? Like, in any room that I go to, I'm going to have to wonder, like, are things going to be accessible for me? So, of course, he, like, gets to this place where he's supposed to stay for two weeks and he's wondering, like, where am I supposed to sleep? Is the bed going to fit? Is the closet going to fit? Am I going to be able to put my stuff away? Am I going to be able to access my stuff? Um, so yeah, it's just like, it's not so funny when you consider that this is probably like Vern's entire life. He's had to consider this. So then he meets Jane and Chris and again, asks about the room. So Chris leads him over into the guy's room, you know, the one remaining bed that's still open, um, in the average size room. Uh, he realizes, Vern quickly realizes that this isn't going to work, of course, because of the size issue. So then he sort of, I guess, I don't know if he's just like looking for it or if he accidentally passes by the miniature room where China's staying, but he looks inside and he sees the room. He sees China inside of it. He sees all of the small size things that are obviously for him um, and he gets upset. And of course, this is an extremely valid complaint. Uh, and then here he has this quote where this is sort of like his his tagline of the season. It's the quote that he gets in the opening theme song. Um, where he's, I don't know if it's, was actually like from this moment, if he actually said this in the moment, or if this was a case of them just like splicing this into this moment. But he says here, I'm going to be an angry dwarf, which I don't know. I don't know. It's not, it's like, it's, it's played for laughs, but again, it just like, it makes me uncomfortable because I feel like this whole situation is pretty ableist. So Vern says that he's not going to stay if he doesn't get his room, which is valid because this is like an accessibility issue. Uh, but China has a talking head where she says, I chose the room I chose because it was a small but single room. Um, and Chris goes in and tells her that Vern is upset. Um, and uh, China has a talking head here where she's like, I mean, who says the room is for him, by the way? But it's just like the size of things says the room is for him. So China comes out into the living room and Chris says, um, you know, we have to negotiate things already because this is Vern's room. And I here I wrote that Chris is the Dave Coulier of this season. So if you'll remember from season three, Dave Coulier was very much like the dad figure and kind of had to be the level head. 
Uh, Chris is very much the level head, the house dad this season. Um, and so China's trying to say, like, hell no, this isn't Vern's room, but Jane and Adrian are, you know, chiming in on Vern's behalf, say, trying to say, you know, like, make, trying to make her empathize, basically, like, don't you see how hard it would be for Vern to use the regular size beds? He's, like, half the size of me. Jane's like, he's half the size of me, and Jane is a very small person. Small relative to Vern, I mean, small in the sense that I'm a small person at five feet zero inches, not small in the sense that Vern Troyer is a small person at like two feet seven inches or however tall he is. Um, so <laughs> at this moment, I just like, I don't know if this is just like her playing things for laughs or self producing or what she's doing, but she says, He's going to have to learn to be the bigger person than a little person. Um, but she's also kind of being a monster, but it is a little bit hilarious. So here is a very, um, a very apt talking head from Jane where she describes China as slightly volatile and says she isn't sure how much of that is booze. So we have a quick montage of just like all the drinks that China's had just since she's arrived and she's just been like throwing them back. She's probably had like four or five already in the, I don't know, hour, two hour, three hours since they've all been there. Um, but that's just like a really good way of describing her in general, like as we'll come to learn throughout the season. So like I said, it's like she presents herself when she first, you know, gives her introduction as like this person who's really put herself together. But yeah, she always seems to be quietly, quietly... I was about to say quite volatile, but I feel like quietly volatile is, well, I don't know. She's not that quiet. <laughs> Who knows? Um, so Vern comes back in. We have some like Wild West showdown musical editing that's happening. So he confronts China about the room. She doesn't say anything. So he gets upset and drives away, drives off on his scooter. Um, he goes into the phone room to call his manager. And his manager, of course, is also on his side and is pissed. Um, I think... Later on, when we see Vern at the end of the season, at the reunion that they do, uh, we see his manager and his one of his best friends in the audience, and they're both also little people. So I'm pretty sure this is the same manager uh, on the phone with him. And so, of course, that makes sense that she is pissed because she can 100% empathize with where Vern's coming from. <laughs> um, so China or Chris, again, tries to convince China to give up the room. And he says here in his talking head that he's the oldest male, so perhaps he's supposed to act the parent. But he says he doesn't want to act the parent because he's not a parent for a reason, but basically that he'll do it anyway. So we see him now talking to Vern there by themselves, and he's kind of like trying to negotiate with Vern since I guess China Doll isn't budging. And he kind of is like, well, what are you going to do if the room isn't available? What alternatives are there? And Vern's solution is, well, I'll take her low, you take her high. Um, and Chris like laughs and he's just like, all right, well, how much, how, how much horsepower you got there? But Vern's like, no, I'm serious. Like if I don't have the room, I'm out of here. So here's the, here's the random Adrian talking head that I mentioned earlier, where she says, Chris just wants people to get along because he's such a good guy. I mean, she doesn't say it exactly like that, but you know, foreshadowing. Um, so China says in her talking head that she didn't want Vern to leave. She wants this to be a good experience for everyone. So she pulls him aside, asks him to talk one-on-one, -on -one, and she says, you know what, I'll sleep on the sofa, I stay up until 6 a.m. anyway, which is not an exaggeration, as we learn, uh, but says, she asks for a compromise and basically asks um, him to let her keep her stuff in there, 
I think just like she kind of implies like just for a little bit so I don't have to worry about moving it um but I think maybe her plan was to like just never move her stuff and just have her shit there the entire time uh Vern says no which again is like it's fair like it is his room like he doesn't need to compromise his shit needs to go somewhere so China's just kind of like staring him down and then finally god bless her Jane is like would you like help moving your stuff and so in that moment, China relaxes a little bit and she's like, yeah, 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 that's fine. You know, I, it's just so much stuff. But I think if everyone pitched in, we'd be able to get it done really quickly. And everyone agrees to help. And Vern even says, oh, you know, we can put stuff on my scooter. And that's kind of like the truce that they have. So they all get together at that point. Like the, the, ang- what's the word I'm looking for? The tension is broken. <laughs> Why was that so hard for me to? find um and so we see a little montage of them moving all the china shit out of burn's room and again it's like they've been there two three hours i don't even know how long uh she's managed to unpack all of her shit it's just exploded all over the room so they do have a lot to move but they all manage to get it done um and then after they're done moving the stuff china says that burn has to kiss her ass for a day and he says well bend over and she lifts up her dress and reveals her thong and he gives her a little peck on the ass cheek And all is resolved like a Brady episode, as Chris puts it. That's not exactly how I would have described it. Um, Maybe I haven't seen enough Brady episodes. (laughs) But uh, yeah, it's cute. It's like a little dysfunctional Brady episode. So then the first edition of the Surreal Times, which is the little, you know, fake newspaper that gives the cast their, like, assignments and tasks for each episode, hits the front door. And Chris grabs the paper, everyone assembles in the living room, and he reads out that the first official Surreal Life cast dinner is on Adrian. So Adrian says that everyone is assuming that she's going to be doing the cooking, but they are in for quite a surprise because she's not a cook. So a short while later, they've all assembled, they're all wearing their best, um, they kind of peek into the kitchen dining area and they see that dinner is going to be sushi served on Adrian's nude body, covered in like strategically placed like banana and tea leaves and stuff. Um, But yeah, her body is covered in pieces of sushi. So Chris says, oh, nude sushi being served. And then Vern is like, oh, I'm going in and like immediately zooms on in in his scooter. And that is the first, just like we had the first of his many, many middle fingers, this is the first of his many, many perv moments um, in this episode alone, but also throughout the entire season. Uh, Jane cheers as she comes in. She's like, that's my girl. And just like super cute. Again, I like love their friendship. Um, I will say also that watching this scene uh, definitely brought back some unexpected memories of my bisexual awakening from when I was in middle school. (laughs) I was just like, oh. Yes, Adrian Curry, one of my uh, early crushes that I did not realize I had until just right now. So they all sit around and and eat and pick sushi rolls off of Adrian's body and eat them. What a way to meet the people that you'll be living with for the next two weeks. Um, So Vern is incredibly excited this entire time. Like, he is really perving out on her. Um, He feeds her a sushi roll at one point, which is, like, kind of nice and kind of sweet. Uh, But he's also just like, oh, God, oh, geez, like, I'm in heaven right now. Oh, my God, look at her. Look at her body. Oh, this is crazy. And everyone's just like, yeah, Vern, like, yeah, she's she's got a rocking body. Uh, Yeah, he's, like, sweating. So Adrian says the only part that bothered her was when Vern took a roll from her breast and then 
he caressed the leaf that was covering the nipple. And so we see the replay, like, you know, they rewind the tape. We see the replay on video. Like, he straight up molests her. Like, he, like, takes the sushi roll and then he, like, strokes her nipple through the tea leaf. Um, I mean, I guess Adrian forgives him and, like, you know, they all move past that. But like, that's one of those moments where it's, like, in funny at the time played for laughs and then like watching it 15 years later I'm just like oh we don't we don't love that in 2020 do we no we don't like the ableism we don't like the the casual sexual harassment and it's not great um Jane does call him out for being a perv and he he calls himself a pig um and then there's like a moment it's like oh yeah he called himself a, a perv no he called himself a pig and Jane called him a perv and Jane says there's a difference and then she says I'm a perv and he's a pig um and I think this is kind of cute and funny because I think this is like a little uh allusion to we'll find out later in the season that Jane is uh Jane is in the BDSM community Jane is a little bit of a dominatrix um she has a fetish side so I think her I think Jane probably like proudly identifies as a pervert uh but Vern is very much being a fucking pig in this moment. So then after dinner, they are all hanging out by the pool and Jane and Adrian decide to go skinny dipping. Again, like BFFs, like immediately, like they're meant to be for with each other, friendship wise. Um, and then Chris and Marcus are just like hanging out and watching them from the side of the pool. So yeah, this is like the moment that I mentioned where Chris is like staring down Adrian's naked body. Um, Adrian jumps from like the hot tub to the pool and we have a quote here from Chris the woman doesn't mind being naked it's obvious she lives her life naked punctuated by a few moments with her clothes on which is just like honestly kind of the dream like fuck clothes clothes suck let's just all be naked so Chris goes inside to get some more wine um, and this is unseen I think it's unseen I might have just been taking notes in this moment and wasn't paying attention but he lets Vern know who has already gone to bed because he's you know had a had a bit to drink throughout the day uh, he lets Vern know that there's naked ladies outside so Vern is like up and at him but at that point um, Jane and Adrian have gotten out of the hot tub and they put on their robes and they're kind of like done with their little skinny dip so Vern comes out, he's mad he missed the nude action, and then he and Adrian make a deal. Uh, you show me your ass, I'll show you mine. So they moon each other, and everyone laughs. And they all have another drink. Um, and so then at this point, Marcus has a talking head where he's like, I'm starting to get a little bit worried about how much Vern has had, because I'm not even sure how much she's had at this point. And so, like, we had the earlier montage of China. We have a similar montage of all of the drinks, uh, like, the moments of Vern drinking throughout the, the day. So, at this point, Vern starts kind of, like, leaning into Chris and kind of, like, patting his arm and then, like, pat passing out. And then he starts, like, shoving his arm and, like, kind of, like hitting him. I don't know. Like, getting a little bit aggressive. And then he sort of just, like, rolls over and, like... Vern is so small like he's just so his body is just so small and like compact that he just like rolls over like a fucking like weeble wobble <laughs> but he like that one falls down um so yeah he's like falling into Chris he's passing out he's obviously like beyond trashed so Chris carries Vern into the house again like playing dad to everyone uh we also have a cute little scene of Marcus driving the scooter in for him and Marcus is way too big for the scooter it's cute 
So they tuck Vern into bed. Adrian brings him a bottle of water and is like trying to like talk to him and just be like, okay, sweetie, like, you know, get some rest, drink some water. And then like he starts moaning. And his moaning is like very loud, very aggressive, like almost screaming. It's like a very guttural sound. Um, Adrian says that she got pretty uncomfortable because it was orgasmic, but to me it doesn't sound particularly orgasmic. It does sound very strange. Uh, so everyone is kind of like peeking in on Vern as he's moaning. Debrat and China both look extremely shook. Um, and then at one point Chris comes in to bring him like a vomit bucket, you know, just in case he needs it in the night. And Vern grabs him by the collar and starts like stroking his face And then he, like, lifts up Chris's collar and strokes Chris's face with his own shirt collar. (laughs) Chris says in Talking Head, he's like, he just became the weirdest person that I ever had the chance to father. And it's just really funny. Chris, like, takes everything in just, like, great stride. Just, like, God bless him. He seems like a very good dude, genuinely. Um, so Vern seems like he's okay, so everyone decides to go to bed. China, in a shocker, this is probably like the first time and only time in the entire rest of the season that she goes to bed at like a quote-unquote normal hour along with everyone else. And I think she goes to bed in like DeBrat's bed because she's definitely in one of the girl room beds. Well, no, I guess because there, there are enough beds for everyone. Okay, never mind. But yes, she goes into she goes to bed in the girl's room instead of like going to bed on the couch like she said she would so she's in bed she's snoring extremely loudly we have a shot of the brat like just looking at her open mouth staring and she says you would have thought a sasquatch was in the room what's his name yeah chewbacca from star wars so she decides that she's gonna sleep on the couch so then on her way out to the couch (laughs) she sees Vern ride out of his room on the scooter Um, He rides, kind of there's this like little workout room sort of next to the guy's room. Um, And he rides into the corner. And DeBrat says in her talking head, Mini-Me is in the corner on his damn scooter, butt-ass naked, peeing. So yeah, we see him um, urinating off the side of his scooter into the corner of the room. And she kind of like calls over to him and she's like, baby, that's not the restroom. And he just like disagrees with her. And he's like, the restroom's right here. So she's just like, okay. Uh, She goes to get Chris. She's like, I don't want to see his naked ass no more. And goes to get Chris. Uh, Chris and Marcus get up. They go to talk to Vern. Also, they're both shirtless here. And I got to say, I mean, obviously Marcus is hot. But Peter Brady's kind of hot. Like, I kind of see what Adrian's talking about. I'm getting to the age where I'm kind of, I'm kind of into the older guys. Like, <laughs> in general. Like, I can appreciate an older man more than I could when I was 13, obviously. Um, so, yeah. Good for you. Good for you, Chris Knight. Keeping up that, that body. Uh, so, they look at him. Vern says, I'm drunk. And Chris is like, yeah, and naked. <laughs> and then Chris is like, it's kind of strange. And Vern goes, strange what's strange strange this whole thing is strange and then he goes well i'm naked right now so and marcus is like that's strange so while um chris and marcus are just kind of standing there trying to figure out what to do with Vern, i mean i think chris even literally said like i'm at a loss like just as that happens the curtain rod that's holding up the curtain that's like hanging in the doorway that they're standing in falls down and hits chris on the head they both just start laughing. Chris kind of sends Vern to bed. And we get 
Um, one last talking head from Debrat, and she says, I feel like I'm in the Twilight Zone, the circus, the new style of Cirque du Soleil. And with that, it zooms out on the house, and thus ends episode one. And so that's just, like, such a good episode. So many fun moments. Like, the Vern Troyer peeing off of the side of the scooter is something that truly stuck with me for 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 the rest of my life. That was just, like, one of those iconic reality TV moments that really, like, is personally in my top ten, top five even, I'd say. Um, I think it doesn't get enough recognition. But on the other hand, it's also really dark because, like, he fucking died of alcoholism recently and obviously struggled with substance abuse and obviously like that moment is tied to that so it's like on one hand I want to enjoy it because it's like fucking funny on a surface level but on the other hand it's really dark um and that's kind of what I love about looking back on all of these VH1 shows is it really forces me to like confront the duality of like everything that's going on that happened while these shows were being filmed um, so we do get a preview of this season on The Surreal Life. Um, and so I think I probably I went over pretty much every single thing that they do when I was just talking about how it relates to uh, to Chris and Adrian. Um, is there anything else I want to talk about? Oh, I do want to say that when um, they have their date night, you know, where they all have like the various dates uh, that they go on. Um, Jane is her in her little like dungeon that she's created and is the little like dominatrix dungeon master dungeon master I don't know what that's I don't think that's what they're called that's what they're called in D&D uh that's a very different thing um so she's like you know her little dominatrix and so Vern really was getting into his role as a sub it was quite interesting to watch um also there's this part isn't part of the preview but I did also want to talk about it a little bit one of the darkest moments of the season um, was when they are, they're supposed to be filming a kung fu movie, which turned is very racist and problematic, like I think I mentioned. But the day before, when they're all just like practicing their lines and their choreography and stuff, China's ex slash current, it's like kind of unclear about what their relationship status is. Her, uh, her ex-boyfriend, the person who she made the um, notorious porno- pornographic movie One Night in China with, uh, Sean, he comes to the house and it's just like extremely dark because she is not happy to see him. They obviously have a very toxic relationship um, and it's like it's not too much played for laughs but it is just like you know it's like shown in this season along with everything else. It's like so light and bright and happy and fun <clears throat> and so yeah just that that episode that moment is just like I don't know especially looking back on you know have China having passed away since then it's it's yeah it's a lot it's a lot to take in it's a lot to unpack uh there is also one moment I'm not sure I think it's in that mo in that episode because I think China is going to like leave with Sean um and everyone is like convincing her to stay and trying to like just kick him out and at one point Jane and Adrian pull her into a closet or a bathroom to like talk to her and the uh the camera tries to follow them in there and Jane like shoves like you know hands on the camera and like shoves it back and she's just like what are you doing like you gotta be kidding me and she's like no way um and I you know found myself like cheering for her and I was just like yeah you go girl and then you know like that kind of like made me think like but wait what's my role in all of this like as a viewer as the observer like even having gotten to this point 
um yeah again it's just like it's just that dark stuff it really like makes me like confront like my own you know thoughts on like the morality of reality tv and exploitation uh especially celebrity exploitation that's why i love this shit it just i could i could write a thesis on it if i had the attention span to write a thesis which i do not all right, you guys, let's do the where are they nows. Um, so Chris and Adrian, I'm going to save for next episode because I will be doing my fair Brady next. So we'll get into all the nitty gritty details of where they both are now next time. Uh, so with Jane, Jane toured with the Go-Go's in 2011. Um, she's had parts in a few movies. Is she um, in a few Steve Balderson movies specifically? Then outside of that, in 2011, she was Tess in an independent movie, I Want to Get Married. She portrayed a mathematics teacher in the 2016 horror film, Honey Bee. She's also provided voices for several characters in TV and film animation. Her credits include uh, Bruce Wayne's Girlfriends in an episode of The New Batman Adventures, Gwen on Mission Hill. Um, she was Dusk of the Hex Girls in the Scooby-Doo franchise, so that's pretty cool. Also, her music, the Go-Go's music, was featured in the 2018 Broadway musical Head Over Heels. So that's, that's fun as well. All right, so then Debrat. Um, so she was on, an onstage guest at Mariah Carey's 2016 The Adventures of Mimi tour. I'm pretty sure that was the, like, supporting the Emancipation of Mimi album, which is, like, my Mariah Carey album era. I think it's been said that, like, everyone has a Mariah Carey era that speaks to them and, like, Emancipation of Mimi is, like, my version of Mariah Carey. Uh, she appeared on the fifth season of Celebrity Fit Club in 2007. Um, she now works for the Ricky Smiley Morning Show as a co-host since 2015. She's also part of the Dish Nation cast out of Atlanta. Um, since 2016, she has appeared on the reality TV The Rap Game as a mentor to young talent. And then in 2017, she, I believe, became an executive producer as well as an on-screen presence talent, whatever you want to call it, for the series Growing Up Hip Hop Atlanta. All right, so then I said we'd talk about her legal troubles. So on October 31st, 2007, this is the second altercation because the first one happened in 2001. Uh, she had an altercation that ended in an assault at a Halloween party held at Studio 72 Nightclub in Atlanta. It says she initially argued with a hostess, and when the hostess walked away to talk to the manager, Debrat attacked her from behind, striking her in the face with a rum bottle. The waitress was rushed to an area hospital and the police arrested and jailed DeBrat. In court, she pled guilty to aggravated assault charges. She was sentenced to three years in prison, seven years of probation, 200 hours of community service. In May 2010, she was temporarily released from prison as part of a work release program after serving 21 months. And then on February 28, 2000, 2011... 2011? I guess either way that works. I, it's getting late. I'm starting to doubt what is even English anymore. Jermaine Dupree announced that she was officially released from prison, completing her sentence. Uh, she also had a civil trial um, that in 2014 it awarded the victim $6.4 million to cover her injuries and past slash future loss of earnings. So if this is the same victim who was a hostess slash waitress at a nightclub. It also says that she was an ex-NFL cheerleader, Shayla Stevens. Um, I mean, from what I understand, NFL cheerleaders don't actually make, like, any kind of money. Like, not even a living wage, basically. 
and then you know working at a nightclub I'm sure working at like a Atlanta nightclub like you could probably make a good living but I feel like 6.4 million dollars to cover the loss of past and future earnings well I guess on top of her injuries I don't know it seems kind of steep uh but anyway um DeBrat had a YouTube show that um kind of documented her time her experience in prison and getting out uh called Brat Con Brat Chronicles in Transition. And then she came out as queer earlier this year. She posted on Instagram about her girlfriend. Um, so yeah, good for her. Welcome to the family. All right, next is Marcus Schinkenberg. Um, his is pretty basic. He's been on, you know, several different TV shows. He was on Germany's Next Top Model, mostly like foreign TV since he is, uh, I think, Danish originally. Um, so he's done like Danish and like Dutch, German TV, that kind of thing. So he was on German Germany's Next Top Model. He was also on a German TV show called Walk Racing. It is literally racing walks down a bobsled track, which seems great. Seems fun. Good for him. Um, in 2019, he was on the German version of The Masked Singer. He was the squirrel. Um, and that's basically it. <laughs> he's, just, he's just being like an unproblematic fave, I guess. Uh, all right, so now we're going to get into Vern and China. So, of course, these are the two cast members who have since passed away. Um, so it's a little bit sadder. I guess we'll, we'll end on more of a sad note. So we'll start with Vern Troyer. So he uh, collaborated with Mike Myers once again because he was in The Love Guru in 2008. He was in the sixth season of Celebrity Big Brother in 2009. Um, in May 2015, he and his girlfriend Brittany Powell and her son Tyson appeared on Celebrity Wife Swap where they switched places with Heinz Ward's wife. Uh, now to getting into the um, a little bit darker side of things. On June 25th, 2008, a private home video leaked of Troyer and former live-in girlfriend Renee Schreider having sex. Um, the film, the video was filmed in 2008 in his, um, in Beverly Hills and Schreider's hometown of Fort Cobb, Oklahoma. So I guess it was like a multi-scene setup. Um, it was leaked to the public by Schreider in TMZ. Kevin Blatt, who is the man responsible for brokering the deal for Paris Hilton sex tape in 2003, tried to sell the video. Uh, Troyer and his longtime attorney sued TMZ, Blatt, and the online rental company Sugar DMD, Sugar DMD, no, Sugar DVD, again, sorry, it's getting late, um, for invasion of privacy and copyright infringement. Uh, and then Vern Troyer passed away, oh my gosh, my notes didn't copy this part so he passed away I'm trying to get the actual date sorry you guys I'm so sorry this is so unprofessional he passed away on April 21st 2018 um, so initially his death was uh, reported as a possible suicide um, they found very high alcohol levels in his body, suggested alcohol poisoning, and ultimately his death later was ruled as a suicide. Um, so he was cremated and his ashes were interred in a niche in um, St. Joseph County, Michigan, kind of his hometown. All right, and now China, Joni Lauer, a.k.a. China, a.k.a. China Doll. Um, so she, after The Surreal Life, continued to work a lot. So she maintained her friendship with Adrian Curry. She appeared on My Fair Brady. She was also on The Surreal Life Fame Games. Um, a little bit on the darker side, she also was on Celebrity Rehab with Dr. Drew in 2008. 
Uh, she continued to wrestle. She wrestled with total nonstop action wrestling in 2011. Um, and so she continued to also make pornographic films. So I mentioned the notorious One Night in China that was made with her uh, toxic boyfriend, Sean Waltman. Um, she made a few more pornographic films, including a sequel, I guess you could say, called Another Night in China. Something I didn't know, she taught uh, English in Japan from early 2012 until mid-2015, and she also converted to the, uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or the Mormon Church, um, while she was there. So she obviously struggled with alcohol and drug abuse throughout her life. I mean, that is quite obvious in watching The Surreal Life. Um, and then in April 20th, 2016, she was found dead at her home in Redondo Beach, California, an autopsy later determined that the cause of death was an overdose from an alcohol alcohol and a combination of prescription drugs. She was also cremated and her ashes were spread in the Pacific Ocean. All right, sorry for ending on that note, but you know, I felt like we had to kind of end with Vern and Joan, Vern and Joni, Vern and China to to honor them. Um so in terms of the surreal life season 4, does it hold up? Is it worth a rewatch? I think yes. I think it's really good. I really enjoyed my rewatch. And like I said, it's sort of the exact sort of niche of reality show, VH1 Celebrity, where it's light-hearted, it's interesting, and, you know, on the surface, but it's really dark if you just start to look a little bit deeper. And that's just my personal preference in terms of reality TV. All right, you guys, we made it to the end. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Thank you all for listening, for, um, you know, contributing to my listens for the month of August. We were able to raise some money for two really great causes. Um, and so, like I said, September, the causes that we'll be donating to are the Justice for Black Girls Freedom Fighter Fund and uh, the Frontline Medics. So continue to listen, tell your friends, um, rate, give me a five-star rating and review, please. If you haven't already, that really does help. Um, subscribe to the podcast. So you don't miss an episode. You can find me on Facebook at snapback to reality podcast on Instagram at snapback to reality pod. My personal Instagram is at really underscore Riley. Um, if you want to follow me on TikTok, I'm at Riley said so. And if you want to email me, the email is snapbackpodcast at gmail.com. All right, right, you guys, have a wonderful week, and I will talk to you soon. Bye.